Welcome in, everyone, to episode 27 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jake Christmas Santa Hat Hill. Oh, yeah. We are out here. It's Christmas time. Thanksgiving is over. We are holly, we are jolly, and the dogs are 12 and 0. Oh, 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 oh. Man, it's a great day and a great time to be a Georgia Bulldog. We've been predicting this crap all year. We talked about the beginning of the year. I think our over-under for wins was like 10 and a half, and we said, hammer it. And look what happened. Easiest bet in the world. Easiest. Easiest bet in the world. Anytime you got Kirby Smart out there and there's odds that make you feel like he's being slept on, you take them. Don't sleep on Kirby. Um. Thank y'all guys so much for listening. Um, thanks for tuning in. We had a little Thanksgiving episode. We talked about what our most favorite Thanksgiving sides were, and then Jake and I both went in there and devoured them the following day. Um, yeah. It was a great little Thanksgiving weekend. Had a little Black Friday shopping go on. Had a little good football action, and uh, it's good to be back. Now we're back to meaningful football. We talked a little bit about the Tech game and what we expected to see for it. Um, and... We didn't talk too much about it because we felt like it was going to be a pretty uneventful game. And newsflash, it was. Um, so not too much has changed from the last episode to this other than your postseason action. And that's what this episode, today's episode, is all about. Getting ready for conference championship football. Getting ready for uh, postseason football, college football playoff. We got updated rankings breaking right before we came on air tonight. So I know we're pumped to talk about it, But before we do... Thank you all so much for listening. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, be sure to check us out anywhere you get your podcast. We're watching this on YouTube and vice versa. Check us out on YouTube, man. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever we get your podcast, get in here, hang out with us. You get to see Jake's amazing Santa elf hat with the ears built in. It is absolutely electric. Jake is an absolute Christmas weapon. And um, thank you all so much for the support. Check us out on Twitter at Peach State Pod. And uh, let's get to this thing, Jake. What do you say? Hey, man, it's it's a beautiful time of year. You mentioned it. And uh, like you said, we do have some very meaningful football to get into. But before that, we are going to mention this Georgia Tech game just a hair. Not too much right here because, like Kenny mentioned, not too much stuff really happened. Um, you know, Georgia did what we expected Georgia to do. Um, I will say Georgia Tech did come out and score a first possession touchdown in like four minutes. Maybe a little bit nervous for a minute. But... You know, the dogs prevailed. We, we did exactly what we expected, and we came out on top by a pretty significant margin. Um, one thing I do want to note, too, is I've seen people kind of get down on Georgia a little bit from these past couple outings. You know, they have the Kentucky outing where you only win by 10 points against a Kentucky team that has not looked all that great this year. And then a game where you kind of come out the gates a little bit slow against Georgia Tech, or that's what it seems like. Um, guys, don't worry. We've, we've, had, we've, we've been pumping the brakes a little bit. If you watch this Georgia football team, you, you've noticed that may, maybe our guy Stetson's not really tossing the rock around like, we, like we're used to seeing. And, you know, we're, we're handing the ball off. We ran the ball 41 times this past weekend against Georgia Tech. LSU fans, LSU people, anybody out there that's rooting for LSU, I'm telling you, Todd Munkin is going to open that playbook, and it is about to get ugly. So, you know, that's my take on this on this Georgia Tech game. It was it – was, a game, probably not the most entertaining game to watch in the world, but I mean, it was a game. It was a Georgia football game. We dominated, so we we love to see it. Yeah, starting off slow seems to be kind of the trend for this dogs team um, against lesser opponents. Yeah, uh, it just seems like that's been kind of a trend all year, man. Don't really understand it. Um, you point to a couple things there, Jake, and I think the, the key point there is Munkin and how this offense is schemed and how we run this offense. 
And it seems like in these lesser games, the offense is a little bit more one-dimensional than in other games. You see us against Tennessee, we sling the ball over the yard. You see us against Oregon, do the same thing. We play against these upper echelon teams, these top-tier programs in college football, and we just go out there and put on an offensive clinic. And then we match up against a team like Georgia Tech, and it's like, you know, I mean, I get it, I guess. It, it almost feels like we're trying to keep people healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't play games conservative, and that's not really what I think Georgia's all about, if I'm being honest. This coaching staff is not a coaching staff that's going to lay over and try to coast to a little win i don't really think so but when you're playing against a team like georgia tech where you know you could trot the twos and threes out there and beat them by 14 points um it's not really a situation where you feel like you need to unveil everything you got so i agree with you there um and you're absolutely right absolute clinic on the ground these boys went out there and toted that thing uh, i will say man really really good to see kendall milton back yeah kendall milton has looked good in his in his couple games back from injury I want to say he busted a 44-yard uh, touchdown run, which was awesome to see, man. Good for him. Branson toting the rock a little bit. Stead, he always runs, of course. Um, got Brock involved a little bit. Got Ladd involved a little bit. But for the most part, it was uh, Kenny Mack and Dejon Edwards today. Um, this has kind of been a two-headed monster all year. Dejon Edwards has continued to impress me. I know he was uh, on a lot of people's you know, p- prediction list for um, uh, sleepers on the Georgia offense to start the year. And Jake and I really didn't talk too much about him. Um, but this is a guy that's won me over, man. I love seeing Dejon out there because it seems like he's got really good vision and he's just super willing to put his head down and, and you know, fight for extra yards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Really uneventful game. Started off real slow. Um, went into halftime with a 10-7 lead and then came out and just kind of rattled him in the second half. And I ended up with a 37-14 win to carry your dogs to a 12-0 and finish, man. Um can't ask for a better season, literally. No, you can't. Um, but yeah, that pretty much rounds it out, man. That brings us into uh, what we got to expect this week. So obviously, um, we uh, make bets every single week, make picks of what we think is going to happen. This week is going to be a little bit more uh, strenuous on the pick side because we got a lot more key games. I mean, conference championship weekend is one of the best weeks in college football, just because every single game that you watch it matters. For many reasons, obviously, you want to win your conference. Um, even if you're not in contention for the playoff, you want to win it. You're doing it for your school, doing it for your program, and then after you do that, you still got your bowl game. But uh, really, we're in kind of a position this year where the college football playoff, the final two spots are really still up for grabs, depending on what happens this weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a really, really shaky spot. And you, like you said, you, normally we run into a situation with the college football playoff that we kind of have a good understanding of what's going to happen. And I'm not going to say it's any different this year because if the teams win that should win, it, it's going to stay the same as it is right now at this moment, I would think. Um, but, you know, there are some really, really tough conference championship games out there. There's a couple of these teams we're going to talk about a little bit later that do have a little bit of a gauntlet to get through first before, you know, thinking about a college football playoff appearance. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, there's a couple games that just aren't super exciting, and then there's a couple that, that they just mean – they man i mean the the implications of what could happen this weekend are huge across college football you're talking about two programs in tcu and usc that yeah tcu has been a strong program uh for, for years i mean a re- really good football team out there in the big 12 which is a super competitive conference but don't get me wrong nobody has been thinking tcu is going to make a college football playoff and forever so for tcu and usc who is you know they've been in the gutter for you know since like the freaking Matt Barkley days, it seems like. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. 
Dude, like it, it's just it's crazy to think that these are two teams that are legitimately. Uh, I mean, they're, they they took the final two spots. We'll talk about the playoff rankings a little bit later on this episode. But you're looking at three and four right now in the playoff rankings, and they've got a very very tough task ahead of them this, this weekend. Both of them to to keep that spot and make the playoffs. I mean, they 100% have to win. And then you talk about two teams in Georgia and Michigan, where um, you know obviously we want the dogs to win. The dogs are gonna win. We're not hating on it at all. But uh, you know you know. Georgia and Michigan, both of these teams can go out there and lose, and, and they're both still going to make it. Yeah, and uh, I actually pulled up our, our preseason college football playoff ranking, and uh, I will say we both had USC making the college football playoff. So, you know, a little little bold prediction at the moment, but, you know, maybe, maybe we saw something right there. I will say this, none of us had TCU making it. Neither of us had Michigan making it. So um, you did have a Big Ten champion making it, but it was Ohio State. Um, I had Clemson and Alabama. You had um Ohio State and Alabama making there. But uh yeah, we okay. we're looking pretty good. I figured I'd touch back on that a little bit. I know that was that was one of our first yeah. that was one of our like inaugural episodes. It was probably one of our first five episodes we did. So um looking back on it is interesting because I, I'm pretty proud of the, you know, USC tech. I think a lot of people kind of figured they would be, you know, much improved this year after, you know, like you said, they've been miserable in the past couple of years. But you know, the level of improvement from one year to the next has been absolutely insane. Partially from that is, is this new transfer portal thing, which is something I'm sure we might dig into a little bit in this episode, talk about some of the action we have going on right now, a little early action. But um, yeah, this new transfer transfer portal rule that's been going around has been already in its first year active, um, making really, really big impact for some teams. So it's nice to see. Also, oh, yeah. real quick, talk about USC and you're talking about how they've been miserable since Matt Barkley. Um, shout out to Clay Holmes. Um, getting Georgia Southern a bowl bowl eligibility his first year at Georgia Southern. So you know, or sec- first or s- second year, or first year because yeah, last year he was there at USC. So shout out Clay Holmes. Yeah, talk about um, you're talking about difference makers too. I want to mention before we dive into this uh, this conference championship weekend. Um, shout out Georgia Tech too, man. Um, they played a really good game against us. They came out there with a perfect game plan. Um, they were just outmatched talent-wise, and you knew they weren't going to win the game. But to put together the game plan like they did, I thought was a huge testament to this team and what really what Brent Key's been able to do with this team. And um, it was just announced earlier today that Brent Key has been given uh, given the job for the next Georgia Tech head coach. Um, and I think that's the right move. I really do. I saw a lot of stuff where it seemed like for the past week, uh, Willie Fritz has been the yep. guy. Like. They were for sure going to give him the job, and, and you know, well-deserved. I mean, Willie Fritz, if you don't know, is the head coach at Tulane. Um, he's done an amazing job with that program, turning them into a top 25 team, and they are you know, a very, very good football team this year. Um, coming off a win against Cincinnati that we talked about uh, in the last episode. Um, so, for sure, Willie Fritz is, is very deserving of a Power 5 job. Um, but if you're Georgia Tech, man, I think you're pumped about Brent Key. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, he's a guy that, you know, Came in there, and uh, you know, ever since Paul Johnson left, it's kind of been an open door at Georgia Tech, trying to figure out who that guy's going to be. And you know, Brent Key, he's a, definitely a, a stud to get in there, and I think he's a really good football mind, especially for a school like Tech. They can't bring in that top tier talent, you know, year in year out, and just have to kind of have to kind of make do with coaching, which is you know yeah. very similar to what we see with Kentucky and the SEC, just a team that can remain competitive in their conference. I'm not talking about college football playoff aspirations or anything, but just remain competitive enough, you know, where you can get viewership and get fans to, you know, rally behind you. That's all you really need. Yeah, he's a guy that's just been able to get the team to play up. Um, I mean, he's, uh, you know, came in and took over for for um, Jeff Collins earlier this season to really turn the team around. 
Um, finished out with a four and four record as the head coach on a team where a lot of people didn't expect him to get four wins the whole season. So, yeah, man, shout out to him. I think that was definitely the right hire. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't have anything else outside the realm of uh, conference championships. You want to hop into it? Yeah, let's go. Let's go to conference championships. I think that's a great idea. We going, right, well, we, okay, thing- quick, quick question: Are we only doing like top twenty-five conference championships? Because I don't really. I had six. I had six to talk about. I had all power five plus. I have there. six. I have six. Beautiful. I have, I have uh, Pac-12, SEC. Yep, I'm, I'm the same route as you. I was say, because I was looking at some of them, like the whole aspect of it. I was like, dude, I'm not good to talk about some of these. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had all power five plus the, uh, plus the American, um, which is, you know, proven to, I don't want to say it, they're, they're a top conference, but they're definitely sixth. Yeah, I, w- I would say so, as of right now. Um, I guess we'll kick it off there if you want to. You want to kick off with the American? Let's let's Might go, well. let's go, let's go American. Um, let's do American. Ugh. Or would you rather try, like... Yeah, let's... Oh, Ameri- let- American ACC Big Ten? Yes, that's the route I'm thinking. G- games that don't matter, and then the most... The lamest game of the weekend. I like it. I agree. Um... All right, well, hopping into the America Conference Championship, we got uh, 22nd-ranked UCF taking on uh, what we just mentioned, 18th-ranked Tulane. Um, this is a Saturday game, 4 o'clock. Uh, this game's being played in New Orleans, I believe. Yeah, in New Orleans. Um, pretty exciting game, honestly. I mean, the America Conference, it is what it is. Neither one of these teams are playoff contenders. Obviously, they're both, uh, you know, UCF's a three-loss team. Tulane's a two-loss team. Um, this game opens up with Tulane as a three and a half point favorite. You look at how these teams stack up, man, and it's pretty interesting because they attack you in different ways. Uh, your guy, UCS quarterback John Reese Plumley, um, he is an absolute dog. He started off the year red hot and kind of fell off towards the end. But um, you look at how these teams stack up, both pretty good defenses, giving up about 21 points per game for UCF and 20 for Tulane, and uh, high powered offenses. They're both putting up upwards of 35 points per game. Um, they both go go about it a little bit differently. Uh, Tulane, they can move the ball through the air and on the ground. They're a pretty balanced attack, whereas um, UCF, boy, they are very, very dependent on that quarterback. Yeah, yeah. UCF is, you were right, leading rusher, leading passer, obviously. They, they do a lot of stuff on their offense um, that runs through Reese Pumley. And I'm happy you mentioned that he's my guy because I'm a very big, I know, Kenny, you know this, I'm a, I'm a big John Reese Pumley fan. And I, I've kind of been a fan of his since um, I want to say he was a Georgia commit, and he decommitted whenever Justin Fields had committed to Georgia, and then he went to Ole Miss, where it didn't really work out, turned into a wide receiver, and now he's found his way down to UCF. Obviously, they have uh, old Gus Malzahn down there, so you know a, a good head coach to kind of get his realms back together. And he's he's put together a really really good season at UCF, so I'm really happy to see that for the guy. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning too that Tulane been putting on an absolute clinic this season. Um, season of a lifetime for this program one of their two losses this season came um on november 12th to uh 22 ranked ucf only in conference um, lost too where they lost 30 38 31 um and i want to say that game was an absolute barn burner yeah um Tulane ended up uh, kind of putting on an offensive clinic throwing for uh you know over 200 yards and three touchdowns running the ball for over 100 um, 130 yards on the ground, came out there and moved the ball pretty effectively, but 
just could not stop John Reese Plumley, dude. This dude came out there and ran for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Um, also threw for 130 yards and a touchdown as well. So I'm curious to see how this stacks up because this two-lane defense, we, we talked about it last week. Um, this is a team that matched up with Kansas State, who is one of the best rushing attacks in college football with Deuce Vaughn back there and held them to 10 points. Um, so for them to give up 38 against UCF is a pretty interesting uh, situation. Um, so headed into this American Conference, I'm curious to see how UCF will come out there and try to attack this team, see if they do the same thing. Because, uh, I mean, when you have a guy like John Reese Plumley that is a stud athlete, you can rely on him to do some things. Um, but relying on him to be your sole provider on offense, I think, could become problematic when you play a team twice. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely could. There's there's a lot of uh different aspects to kind of look in this game. I'm just looking at some rankings. I didn't really want to dive too deep into like overall rankings. I'd take all day trying to find out where these teams rank. So I'm just looking at their rankings in the American Conference alone. And um, as of right now, UCF actually has the highest. Uh, they, they produce more yards than anybody in the American Conference in yards per game. They have 486.5 yards per game, which is very, very impressive. And like you mentioned, a lot of that comes on the ground. Like Reese Pumley's not a – he can throw the ball, don't be wrong, but he's not a super dynamic passer. They, they do a lot of – if you ever watch UCF play, they definitely do a lot of, like, frisky stuff, kind of getting a little trickery with it, getting the quarterback moving around. And uh, they, they're a very interesting offense. And, you know, one thing – I will say is the first time you face an offense like that, it can be tricky. But that second time, man, you just mentioned it. You have a game plan for it. You have a way to stop it. And a quarterback running for 180 yards, I, I'm not a big fan at all of quarterbacks consistently running the ball. I, I'm, I don't think it's a great way to produce a lot of offense in you know higher level football. Um, and to see it, see somebody do that against the team once, I don't see it happening again twice. So if if they if if Tulane can find a way to shut down John Reese Plumley, um. It, it's going to be their game to win. If they don't, then it, we're probably going to see another matchup like we saw last time where it's going to be a barn burner. I either think that UCF wins this in a tight bout or Tulane just runs away with it. That would be my two guesses. Or obviously Tulane could win in a tight bout too. I think it's either going to be a close game or Tulane just runs away. No, I think that's a really good point. And I don't want to dive too much into the pick side of things because I know um, in the next episode we'll, we'll give out our picks. So I don't want to you know kind of get too far ahead of ourselves. But if I'm giving an advantage in this game – I probably would give it to UCF. Um, yes. You look you look at the rankings and how they stack up, and uh, they're able to produce more on offense. The defense is a little bit a little bit worse than two lanes, but uh, in, in my opinion, it's not a significant difference, a significant enough of a difference to um, to, to to tilt the scale in two lanes' favor. And I do think two lanes probably a better football team than UCF. But you look at what UCF's been able to do this year, and um, I don't know, man. Um, I guess we'll dive a little bit more into the picks on the next episode and see where we think we're going to go on the win-loss side of things. But if I'm giving it advantage, I'm probably giving it to UCF in this one. Yeah, uh, two teams that are that are relatively sim- similar in points allowed and points per game. Um, UCF has the more higher-powered offense, where Tulane has the better defense. Um, just just an overall all-around even matchup to me. That, that That's yeah. how I'm looking at this game. This is definitely one to watch, though. If you have the free time to watch this game and you just want to watch entertaining football and you don't, want to, like, you don't really care about having a dog in the fight, just something to turn on the TV and be like, holy cow, that was an awesome play. This would be – this might be your primetime game to watch, honestly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, honestly, I think that carries us pretty well into the uh, ACC championship because I think it's going to be a little bit <laughs> – a little bit similar story. Yes. Oh, man. This ACC championship is going to be fun, too. 
Yeah, man, this is going to be pretty interesting for a couple reasons. What I and obviously ACC championship, you get the ninth ranked Clemson Tigers taking on the twenty third ranked North Carolina. Um, man, you talk about X factors. There's not many more highly oh, skilled or highly, however you want to call it, X factors than Drake May. Um, dude is a dog. You talk about, you know potential number one overall pick next year drake may is the guy i know caleb williams is out there in my opinion caleb williams probably proven himself to be the best quarterback in college football i'm sure that's something we're going to touch on in a little bit but dude drake may man i mean he's talking about you're talking about a one and two potential picks next year um there are definitely going to be some nfl scouts drooling over this kid yeah drake may is a stud you you, you hit the nail Right on the head right there. Um, Drake May is an absolute beast. And we mentioned it, man. Um, a Clemson team that's coming off a pretty, pretty stinky loss against South Carolina where they gave up 31 points. Um, I'm really, really curious to see what this North Carolina offense can do against this Clemson defense because everybody always screams about this Clemson defense. And I will say I'm guilty of it as well, of, of, of you know, always giving Clemson so much credit on defense. And, you know, overall this season, they have been a solid defense. Don't be wrong. Maybe not as as dominant as we've seen. They're allowing twenty one points per game. That's not really what we're used to around with Clemson. But they have, you know, they have some pretty key matchups against some decent offensive teams that they have, you know, produced pretty well on the defensive side of the ball. Now, this is also a fun thing because we look at the other side of things. North Carolina does not play one lick of defense at all, and you know sometimes Clemson's offense can get a little bit snagged, stagnant. We look at a guy like Will Shipley as a guy that is is pretty much. Um, Will Will Clemson's offense Shipley right now because he is the offense. He is what they run through. He is he is their go to guy. Um, and it, talk about DJ. DJ is always an adventure. You you really don't never know what you're going to get with DJ. Sometimes you look at the box score and he has two twenty with two tuds and seventy yards rushing with a rushing touchdown. Like or sometimes he might throw three interceptions in a game. DJ is is an up and down guy. So I, I'm curious to watch this game too. Um, it, it's going to be a high scoring affair. For sure. I don't see that Clemson defense completely eliminating this North Carolina offense because when this North Carolina offense is rolling, they are a lot of fun to watch, man. No, man. I mean, this Clemson defense, you know, you know, every single year we talk about the Clemson defense being good. Obviously, you lose Brent Venables. Uh, things change a little bit, but they've been able to maintain a, a, a pretty stout defense even throughout this entire year. Um, but I will say, man, where Clemson really shines on the defensive side of the ball is in the run game. Yes, And that's not really something you got to worry too much against this North Carolina football team. This team's leading rusher is Drake May with 629 yards and six studs. So if we've seen this Clemson defense get exposed to anything this season, it has been the pass game. I mean, they jet, they're coming off a Spencer Rattler 360-yard game um, where they lose 31-30. Uh, man, I, I hate to say it because, you know, I, I I like Spencer Rattler. I enjoy him as a player. I know we've talked about him and the and the lack of his ability to put things together. But boy, if you think Spencer Rattler went out there and had a field day, Drake May got something for you. Yeah. Um Drake May should have the opportunity to go crazy. And I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a quick minute for an ad break right here, Kenny. And uh we don't have no ads on this podcast. We're about to have an ad for ourselves. Guys. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify and you've never tuned into the live, be like our boy Austin right here in the live and doing for the first time ever. Welcome, Austin. First time ever in the live. In the live. So I figured I had to say that because 
Austin is a, is a loyal listener of the podcast, good friend of mine and Kenny. So, you know, welcome, Austin. I had to, I had to give you a live shout out on the podcast, man. That boy Craig in the chat. We love to see it. <laughs> He's out here supporting number one fan. Um, nah, man, that that's great to see. Yeah, for sure. Check us out on the live side of things, man. You, anytime you get to tune in here and see Jake's magnificent Santa hat, it's a blessing. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. But yeah, this this Clemson North Carolina game. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Whole lot of fun to watch. Another one, and, and it's gonna sound like a broken record saying another one that's gonna be fun to watch. But this one really, guys, eight eight p.m. Eastern time. Keep an eye on it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. Yeah, to round this one out, I'm gonna say X factor in this game is Drake May. If Drake May can come out there and be Drake May, North Carolina should be able to win this football game. Um, numbers wise, from looking at it, I will give the edge to Clemson in this game. Yes, I will also give the edge to Clemson, numbers wise and talent wise. I know Drake May is an absolute stud, but you look at, you know, depth charts and all around the field, Clemson still has North Carolina beat. Yeah, 100%. But we talk about frisky football teams, North Carolina's one of them. Let's go, boys. That's right. Let's go go Tar Heels, baby. Go Tar Heels. I'm with them this weekend. All right, let's dive into uh, probably the least exciting game of the weekend. Um, Go ahead and cover this one and talk about it. We got the Big Ten Championship. You have unranked Purdue touting an 8-4 and record matching up against your number two ranked Michigan Wolverines coming off one of the most impressive wins of the season uh, against Ohio State last week. Um, boy, talk about this Michigan team. A lot of people were wrong about them, um, including me, man. I, I wasn't sure Michigan was going to be able to come out there and do uh, and have a similar season to what they had last year. I know they had the quarterback battle going on earlier with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. Um, I know a little injuries got in the way, but J.J. ultimately won the job, came out there and had a really good year. Um, didn't put up the most flashy numbers, but came out there and got the job done for this Michigan team. And they come out there and route Ohio State last week in a game that not a lot of people expected to be that way. Um, so they're riding high right now, 12-0. They're a lock for the playoff. They could lose this game and still make it, no doubt. Um, but in a game against an unranked Purdue team where they open up at 16.5-point favorites, man, um, the advantage is Michigan. I expect Michigan to blow the doors off of Purdue in this football game. Yeah, this this is the this was a tough one to talk about. Michigan is significantly better on the offensive side of the football, significantly better on the defensive side of the football. And one thing about Michigan, man, is we've talked about the run game. We've talked about Blake Corum. He's the whole team. Donovan Edwards came in last week against Ohio State and absolutely did anything he wanted to on them boys. I think it's more of a scheme thing with Michigan. I think it's whoever you throw back there, they are going to be able to run the ball. And against a team like Purdue that does not play much defense, um, we're going to see Michigan rack up some points. And we talk about Michigan's defense too, man. They have a really, really, really good defense. Like, keep an eye on these guys. This game should be a routing. Uh, advantage, obviously, is Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Michigan. Um, one thing in this game that it's not necessarily a next factor, but you talk about Aiden O'Connell, the Purdue quarterback. He can sling the ball around. Um, put up just under 3,200 yards, 22 tuds and 11 interceptions on the season. But in a matchup against a Michigan defense that allows 177 passing yards a game, um, you talk about taking away a team's strength, they're going to be able to, to take away the passing game of Purdue, in my opinion, with no struggle whatsoever. Um, this game is not going to be very exciting. Um, you get a Saturday night, 8 o'clock matchup in this game. Um, obviously, people are going to be watching it because it's a Big Ten championship, but this is a very, very one-sided affair in my opinion and i don't expect it to go any other way 
I'm with you on that, Kenny. We can agree on that one for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I I don't know what the injury status of Blake Corum is. He came in, I think he had only two carries, but you mentioned it with Donovan Edwards coming in there. Um, Michigan can just move the football, and I just don't see this Purdue team being a team where you have to scheme up a way to get the offense involved. It's just you're a better football team. Line up and play the game. Hey, this is this is this is the most boring, you know, top tier, you know, conference championship game that we have this weekend for sure. And we mentioned the other two beforehand because the other two have no playoff, you know, they they don't they affect the playoff zero. No matter who wins or loses, nothing's gonna happen between those two. But if if we could have mentioned this one first, we would have. Like this game is is gonna be a, a probably not I mentioned a lot of entertaining games. You probably turn us on the first quarter and then turn it off and go take a nap. Yeah, absolutely. Go get get your early night's sleep. Get ready for the next day. This is definitely the game to do that. Same time kick is uh, Clemson. Yeah, maybe 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 hit a little guide last every commercial break at the Clemson game and hit it right back to the Clemson game. Yeah, you check in on the Michigan Purdue score to see Michigan go up by another seven and then turn it back on to Clemson and see Drake May throw another touchdown pass. Love to see it. Love it. Love it. Let's go. All right, what do you say next? You want to save the dogs for last? Let's save dogs for last. Um, uh, these two matchups right here are both very similar matchups. So I'll, I'll let you pick one. Which which one would you like to discuss first, Kenny? Let's go Big 12. I respect it. I like the Big 12 one. Um, Yeah, we'll go Big 12, man. Uh, we talked about playoff implications and what this weekend means for uh, two teams in particular in the college football playoff, and that's number three and number four. Um, TCU, uh, number three right now in the college football playoff rankings. They are undefeated. So, congrats to TCU, man. Hell of a season, 12-0 record. Um, you come out there and do what you did this season, man. You impressed everybody, including myself. So, shout out them. Um, but Kansas State is no cakewalk. No. This Kansas State team is a very, very good football team. They can move the ball on offense. They can sling the ball a little bit with Adrian Martinez. Um, he's not – the most dynamic passer in the world, but he can get the job done. But where this team really comes into play is on the ground. Deuce Vaughn is one of the best running backs in college football, 1,300-yard season, seven touchdowns. This team runs the ball for 210 yards per game on average, and they play very, very good defense. Yeah, I'm looking at some stuff right now, just looking at some defensive rankings and things. Um, Right now, Kansas State has the second most rushing yards in um, the Big 12 per game. They rush for 210 yards per game. Um, and we look at it, and that's not really a super big strength of TCU. TCU is not a very good team when it comes to stopping the run. Now, we'll say Kansas State is also not the best team to stop the run. TCU also has a guy better that can tote the football. Um, but we look at it on the other spectrum with quarterback play, and we look at Adrian Martinez, and we look at Max Duggan. This right here is where I really see the advantage being in TCU's favor. Um, Max Duggan is, is light years better than Adrian Martinez, even though Adrian Martinez can get a little bit of frisky on the ground sometimes. Duggan is a guy, man. Like, Duggan is 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 probably a top 10 quarterback, top 15 quarterback in college football. Um, and I'm happy to see he's finally getting his recognition with, with TCU playing really, really good this year because he has – he has been their, you know, their stone, their rock all year long. So, good for him, man. Good for TCU. I, I uh, the numbers are similar. Kansas State plays a better defense. Offense is worse. Um, TCU plays a better offense. The defense is worse. So it's kind of one of those mismatches right here. Um, 
but I, I will give TCU the upper hand. I, I would say advantage TCU just because of the quarterback play. I see a quarterback like Adrian Martinez going into a big game like this. I just don't really see too much happening with that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the rankings. Um, I've actually got them right here in front of me. Um, and all of college football, on the offensive side of the ball, TCU ranks 16th in the nation in total offense, where Kansas State ranks 40th in total offense. On the defensive side of the ball, TCU ranks 74th in total defense, where Kansas State ranks 45. You total those numbers up, man, it's it's pretty dead even. They're separated by five points in total on both sides of the ball combined. So these teams match up very, very well against each other. Um, but I agree with you. I give the advantage TCU because of one reason and one reason only, and that's Max Duggan. Yes. Um, this dude's come out here and proven to be one of the best uh, quarterbacks in college football this season against a Kansas State defense that is a good defense but is a little bit more susceptible um, through the air um, than some other teams that this TCU team has played. Um, they also give up some rushing yards. You mentioned giving up 144 rushing yards a game against the TCU offense that can move the ball on the ground if needed. I just think this TCU offensive tag is going to be a little bit too much for uh, Kansas State to handle. Um, so I give advantage TCU in this one. Opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Um, really, really exciting game. If you're TCU, you got to think, man. You win, you're in, you lose. I don't know. This is where the, one of the toughest uh, decisions uh, for that playoff committee comes, man, because you got – and I know we're not talking about the playoff rankings yet, but you got two teams down there at five and six that could really slide in this thing. And um, I just – I don't know. It, it – it almost feels dependent on the next game we're going to talk about. Yes, um, it does. I agree. And a quick check-in. Let's do a little chat little chat check-in. Shout-out Austin out here in the chat. says, Michigan and Georgia rematch in the Natty will be a physical grudge match. Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, these are two teams. We saw it last year, even though we came out there and rattled those boys. You talk about Michigan, they're such a physical football team. Um, they have a great offensive and defensive line. They kind of retooled from last year and brought some boys back, and, and the guys they brought in have been huge contributors down there up front. And you match up against a Georgia team, man. If we got to see a Michigan-Georgia natty, uh, you're absolutely right. It's going to be some heavy hitters. Yeah, some good football for sure. Um, Well, you want to hop into this Pac-12? Let's get into the Pac-12, man. This, this is a – this is – Probably the most ex game I am excited excited for. I think this game is, might be the closest matchup we see. Yeah, we get a tasty little treat in this one too, because it's a Friday night kickoff. Friday night kickoff, getting you ready for all the big games on Saturday. Um, love to see it. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, man. Friday night, eight o'clock. We got number eleven Utah taking on number four USC in Vegas. Uh, super, super exciting game. Interesting thing to point out in this one is that these two teams have seen each other before, much like TCU and Kansas State. The difference in this one being that Utah came out on top. Um, you talk about barn burners. Boy, this game was the definition of a barn burner. Um, I'll go ahead and say it. Caleb Williams, best quarterback in college football. Uh, go ahead, give him the Heisman. I don't think it's close at this point. This man, what he's been able to do is incredible. Um, came out there against uh, Utah in the previous game, 25 for 42, 381, and five tuds. Uh, absolutely absurd. And then you look on Utah's side of the ball, Cam Rising. Cam Rising's a really, really good quarterback. He's a, a nitty-gritty type guy, kind of a dog that we've talked about, put his life on the line to go out there and get the win. 30 for 44, 415, and two tuds in the game. Um, I think it's pretty interesting to mention how this last game ended up in a 43-42 win against Utah. 
um, or against UC, uh, USC for Utah. Um, man, you talk about rematches. I, I think one of the biggest key points that anybody will tell you, football coach, football player, football fan, doesn't matter who you are, is it is tough to beat a good team twice. Yes. And um, that's kind of what we're seeing in this one. I'm a little bit surprised to see it. But you see, USC is opening up as a three-point favorite in this game. ESPN has Utah with a 61.2% chance to win this football game. I see that. I, I see that as well. That's, uh, that is, is very, very interesting to say the least. Um, and when you dive into the numbers, man, it is very, very interesting. USC is the number five team in college football and total offense where Utah is 20th. Very, very good offenses on both sides of the ball. Defense, this is where the difference is. USC is 91st in the country in total defense. Utah, 17th. Advantage, Utah by a million. Yes. They have a big advantage on both sides of the ball. Total it out together. Um, X factor in this game, obviously, is going to be Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams can do some things on a football field that make you feel like he is going to make an immediate impact in the NFL when he's eligible. Um, if Caleb Williams could come out here and be Caleb Williams in this game like he did last time, I expect USC to win this football game. Um, I don't think a Lincoln-Riley-led team will allow Utah to stay in it as much as they were the first time, and he's not a defensive-minded coach. I know that, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think you give a guy like Lincoln Riley with a quarterback like Caleb Williams two cracks at a team like Utah, I think he can get it done, man. Um, so I'm going to give the advantage to U to USC in this football game, even though Utah has the advantage on the numbers. Yeah, you mentioned it, man. I think all-around football, when you look at offense and defensive side of the, of the ball, I think Utah is probably the better team. Um, they do have – they, were, they are a three-loss team. They lost a, you know, a, a stinky game week one against Florida down the swamp. We got to discount that one a little bit because of the heat and stuff. They're not really used to playing down there. They had players thrown up on the sidelines and all that fun stuff. And then they lost to UCLA and Oregon. Um, and I'm not going to discount uh, them on that because I will say this. When Oregon is rolling, Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. There, there's no doubt about it in my mind. I, I think that they would beat most teams head-to-head -head if, if they are – full health and fully going like we've seen him play at certain times this year. Um, but USC is a fun, fun team to watch. They are very, they are electric and, you know, on the offensive side of the football, especially they can put up points on you fast. Um, Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. No question in my mind about it. Um, and definite, definite Heisman winner. And if he can come out and he could put together a game like we know he can, it, I would also say that advantage would go to USC, but I will mention, you know, Cam rising with Utah. He's not the flashiest guy in the world. He's he's not the greatest quarterback in college football, but he is a fun guy to watch. He can play. He's he's a dog. He's gonna fight for the extra yards. He's gonna do whatever he gotta do to win a football game. Um, he's a guy that can definitely have a sleeper game on you and put up some numbers on you quick if you let him. Um, and I'm gonna get interesting here. My advantage in this game is even. I don't think there's a team that has an advantage. I I think that this game right here is about as clear-cut even as you can get in the college football world when it comes to team versus team. And whenever you see a line that is three points for USC and ESPN has, is giving Utah a 61.2% chance to win, that kind of shows that. It's kind of like, okay, we don't really know what to expect in this game. So I, uh, I, I'm i going to kind of follow suit with that, and I'm going to tell you straight up, I have no idea what to expect in this game. 
That's probably right, to be honest. I mean, these teams match up so well, much like the TCU-Kansas State game. Um, and that's why these games are so big, man. Not only do they have amazing uh, or huge playoff implications, like these teams really need to win this football game. USC definitely has to win. If they don't win, they're out 100%. Yes. TCU has a chance. Um, while it might be a slim chance, they still have a chance. Um, and we were talking about a little bit beforehand, uh, if you're – listening or, or watching on the YouTube thing. Um, hop in here a little bit beforehand, man, because we do a little BS and before the thing starts and kind of get a little bit of a little bit of ball talk beforehand and just kind of see where our minds are at. And uh, I presented Jake with a with a standpoint and sort of a question. Um, I wonder how the playoff committee is going to value a TCU Kansas State rematch in the sense that if TCU comes out here and loses this game, does the loss against Kansas State affect TCU less because they've already beaten them once this season. Um, I don't know. I, I know the, the playoff committee came out and, and mentioned some key points that they look at, and they were um, overall record, strength of schedule. Um, but one of those things was head-to-head matchups. So I know that they are looking at TCU Kansas State, the previous head-to-head matchup, as part of the factor in you know where to put TCU on the playoff rankings. And I'm curious to see um, – not to say if Kansas State comes out and wins by 14 points, I think TCU's done. But let's say Kansas State comes out here and wins last-minute last field goal, maybe a, a two-point conversion in overtime, something like that. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine TCU falling out of the playoff, in, in my honest opinion. I I have some interesting predictions. And whenever we get to the college football playoff, talk about our last time we're going to talk about it before we actually get our rankings in probably. Well, not maybe not the last time, but, you know, before the – you know, the conference championships take place. Um, I'm going to give my pick on what I think the college football playoff is going to look like, and I will give my predictions on the weekend. Um, obviously, no betting stuff because we're going to save that for tomorrow. Just a quick little little rundown. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit more information on how I'm feeling about it whenever, whenever we get to that point. I will do the same. I will do the same. All right, man, let's wrap it up before we head into the playoff talks and talk about the game everybody's wanting to hear about on this show. I know one that we've been itching to talk about, and that is this SEC championship. Um, oh, this is weird. Why is that? Because it's it's an exciting game. We're all excited for it, but uh, every advantage you could possibly imagine points to one one team in this. Yeah, man, it's really not close. It, yeah. It's really not. Um, you look at the numbers, and it is very, very heavily one-sided. You talk about Georgia, the number eight offense in the country in total offense, um, whereas LSU is 34th. Um, 34 is not bad. That, that's actually really, really good, all things considered. But you match up against a Georgia defense, number four in the nation in total defense, as opposed to LSU's number 36 in total defense. My key point for this game, I will say, um, obviously Georgia's a better football team. We all know that. We're homers, obviously, but that does not matter. Um, the key advantage in this game, man, is going to be Georgia's rushing attack, in my honest opinion. Um, LSU's passing defense has been good. Um, yes. they're, they're, they're giving up uh, just over 200 yards per passing or, or, or 200 yards passing per game on the year, which is very, very good. I guess a Georgia offense that can sling the ball around. Stetson's, you know, first 3,000-yard passer since Aaron Murray for Georgia. Stet can go out there and sling the ball on anybody. We saw him do it against Tennessee. We saw him do it against Oregon. We saw him do it against South Carolina. This dude can do it. It doesn't matter who you are. Any given day, Stetson Bennett can come out there and torch you. Um, 
But the running side of things, LSU gives up 144 rushing yards per game. Georgia runs for over 200 a game. Um, if Georgia can get on the ground and move the ball early and move the ball throughout this game, um, Georgia has a really, really, really strong knack for playing games exactly how they want to. Mm-hmm. We see it every single week. Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart are able to come out here and run the football and pass the football as much as they want to, as often as they want to, and as efficiently as they want to, and do whatever they want to do to go out there and beat you. And LSU, to me, aside from the bias, aside from the I'm a Georgia fan, to me, I think LSU is a prime example of a team where we are going to be able to do whatever we want to do in this football game. I hate to say it because I I don't want to under I don't want to be like you know undershoot a team that we're about to face in the conference championship at all. But LSU to me is is closer to middle of the pack in the SEC than they are top two in the SEC. They're a worse yeah. they're a worse team than Tennessee. We know that that that's an obvious. Tennessee beat the brakes off these boys earlier in the year. They're probably a worse team than Alabama. I would say. I mean Bryce Great. Young was Bryce Young was twenty five for fifty one in that game. Um, play that game back. I know LSU has a decent pass defense. I do not see that happening again. I, I'll go ahead and say that now. Um, now, actually, maybe, maybe they are close to the top because that's probably the only three teams I'd probably put above them is Georgia, you know, Tennessee, and Alabama. But I think that difference is, is significant, man. I do think that the difference that we see there is a lot bigger than what we'd expect. Um, and... This is a team, man, that is coming off a 15-point loss to Texas A&M. Like, this is the first really big time that they've played a, a good defense because, you know, Texas A&M has, has definitely been underwhelming this year, but their defense is still, you know, rated near the top in college football. Um, And they played an absolute stinker. And I know Jaden Daniels got hurt, but he did not do anything to make that game better. Like, I mean, maybe maybe he did. He did have a lot of running yards. He did rush for 80-something yards and a touchdown. But passing the ball, man, they pretty much shut the door. He was efficient, but he was not making plays. And against a defense like Georgia, you have to have the ability to make plays because you can be as efficient as you want to. You can go eight for nine on a on a drive, and but you're going to have 28 yards, and you're going to go four and out. Like, that, it's it, that's just what's going to happen. It, it's... It's a no. shaky thing for sure. I think that his biggest ability that he that you know he could ask for is to run the ball. And you can ask me right now when was the last time Kirby Smart's defense allowed a quarterback to run all over them? And I will tell you, I do not remember. I don't ever. I don't recall that happening because good de- good defenses don't allow quarterbacks to run the ball all over. I I've always that's kind of been a belief of mine, and it kind of stands true. I don't think that they're gonna let him just ramble all over the place. No, and you talk about that, and that's a key point that I wanted to make. I actually wrote it down right here as well. Um, Jane Daniels is an amazing runner. He's a super dynamic player. He can kill you on the ground. But this Georgia defense, man, number two in the nation in rushing defense. Um, And you're right. We've just never seen a team come out there and torch Georgia on the ground. It's just not going to happen in this game. And you talk about that LSU uh, defense and their inability to stop the run. Um, I'm super high on this guy. I know Jake loves him as well. We've been talking about him all year as a Heisman sleeper. Um, hadn't had the most amazing season or the season that he expected to have, and he had some injury problems. But Devon A-Chain came out there and did whatever he wanted to do against these boys last week. Devon A-Chain, coming back from injury, averaged six yards a carry and went for 215 and two tuds against this LSU defense. Um, you talk about a number 36 defense in the country. 
Uh, man, these these guys are so susceptible to the run, and I, and we don't have a Devon A chain that we're going to give the ball to thirty eight times in the game, but we've got multiple multiple studs in the backfield that we're going to give twelve carries to, ten carries to, eight carries to, six carries to. Um, so we might not have that single workhorse like Devon A chain, but we've got the 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 fresh legs and the rotation of running backs to put out there. And I just don't see any way this LSU defense is, defense is going to be able to stop that. No, and, you know, the past two weeks, I know Georgia's been a little bit slow coming out the gates, but one thing that has been wrong on this Georgia offense is Kenny McIntosh. And yeah. if this is no shot at Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain is an absolute stud, trust me, I know. It, but you know, Kenny McIntosh is also a, a stud. Kenny McIntosh is the best back on this yeah. team, no questions asked. And if they give Kenny McIntosh touches like they've been doing the past two weeks, He's going to do what he wants to against this team. Um, Kenny McIntosh is a guy early on in the season where we're kind of questioning his ability to run the ball. Um, we were wrong on that because he can tote that thing. Trust me, he is a beast. Yes, he can. You are absolutely right. And um, you know, if if Devon or uh, if Kenny McIntosh was on a similar offensive scheme to Texas A&M, mm-hmm. or, or Devon A. Chain's getting uh, you know, all those carries, if Kenny Mack was getting all those carries too, man, he'd be putting up just as good of numbers. Yeah, Kenny Mack might be the most talented back in the nation. Yeah, and that's going to show when draft time comes around. I can guarantee you. Yes. It's catching the ball at the backfield, running the ball. He's doing it all. And uh, I, I think we have a have a pretty good agreement on this game, how we how we feel it's going to go. Um, Obvious advantage, Georgia. Um, Like, for the, for the for all the reasons we've already mentioned. Like, there's, there's not really – the only reason somebody should ever say LSU would have an advantage in this game is biasy or just try to be different. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a clear advantage. It's it's one it's a one way advantage in this game. You mentioned it. I mentioned it. Uh, Georgia, man, in, in all aspects of football, outweigh this LSU team. Um, you talk about pure talent, they outweigh them. You talk about scheme, they outweigh them. Coaching, everything. It, it's just this LSU team is significantly outclassed in all facets. Yeah, I agree. And that's why Georgia's opened up as a seventeen and a half point favorite in this game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun one right there. All right, well, we'll get into the picks on the next one. Talk about our predictions of what we think is going to happen in these games. But without further ado, Jake, let's hop into this playoff. All right, the playoff. Um, as it stands right now, what we have? We have Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, um, Ohio State, and Alabama. Is there real contenders to possibly make a push for the for a playoff spot? Let me ask you this, Jake. If you were ranking your top four, would it look any different than what it is? Not one bit. Um, I, I think I think they hit hit it, you know, pretty spot on. Um, Michigan definitely deserves that move up to number two. TCU deserves to move up to number three. USC deserves to hop in there after Ohio State, you know, loses to Michigan in pretty pretty ugly fashion too um i i think they nailed it even all the way to six i think i think it's a good ranking right now i do too i think one through six is a lock i don't think you could change anything about it you see tennessee there at seven uh tennessee is very deserving of that spot the only thing that that puts tennessee at a big disadvantage now is uh hendon hooker being out for the season man torn acl i hate to see that for hendon hooker he's been one of the best quarterbacks in college football legitimate heisman candidate dude had a actual shot at winning it if he had stayed healthy so uh, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but especially a, an amazing talent like that, man. Dude's an absolute stud. Um, 
So I guess that brings us into the conversation of what can we expect. Um, obviously, you and I are both unanimous in the thought that it, it doesn't matter what happens to Georgia and Michigan, they're in. Yes, um, no doubt. So the real conversation comes from three to six. You talk about TCU, USC, Ohio State, Alabama. Obviously, three and four, you got undefeated TCU at 12-0. and And at four, you got one loss, USC, at 11-1. and um, The key factor in determining these two spots is obviously TCU is undefeated, but all four teams are matching up. All four of the top teams are, are, are lining up in their uh, conference championships, where five and six are not. Um, Ohio State loses to Michigan. They play on the same side of the Big Ten, so they're not going. That's why Michigan's playing Purdue, and Alabama obviously is not making it in the West because LSU's there. Um, so the conversation becomes what happens if TCU and or USC loses? And um, I'm curious to, to get your opinion on this. Okay, so I'll give you I'll give you what I think is happening right now, and it, it's it's definitely a hard thing to talk about because it's all opinionated. Like we're going off of a group of people making a decision on something. So, but in my mind right now, I will tell you that this is a five team race. Alabama, you're you're not going to make it. It's it's not going to happen. It's not mathematically possible that you're going to happen. Um, because like we mentioned, Georgia's going to make it. Michigan's going to make it. No matter what what happens in 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 the conference championship games. Then we look at the aspect of USC and TCU, and you're sitting there thinking, what if both these teams lose? Well, if both these teams lose, TCU still makes the college football playoff, and Ohio State jumps in. Um, yep. If TCU loses and USC happens to win, that's where things start getting a little bit sketchy to me because obviously USC would jump to that three spot. And then you become a conversation of, okay, a one-loss TCU that lost the conference championship game or a one-loss Ohio State that did lose to a number two team in the country or number three team in the country. But they did not make it to a conference championship game. Um, my prediction of what's going to happen in this college football playoff, I'm going to go Georgia 1 after beating LSU. I'm going to go Michigan 2 after beating Purdue. I'm going to go TCU 3 after losing to Kansas State. And I'm going to go Ohio State 4 because USC loses to Utah. And the reason I have TCU sticking around at the 3 spot is because, honestly, what makes Ohio State jump a one-loss TCU team? Like, in my mind, I, I don't really think – I think that TCU could possibly lose this game and not move a muscle. I think it is a possibility that it could happen. And the main reason behind that is because they are not going to match up Ohio State and Michigan in the first round of the playoff. It is not going to happen. They will keep TCU at three after losing the conference championship before they put Ohio State against Michigan. I guarantee it. Yeah, we've seen that year after year. They don't like to do rematches in the first round. It's just not going to happen. Another thing that's not going to happen is Alabama's not going to make it. Um, no, not possible. Uh, if you guys didn't know, a two-loss team has never made the college football playoff. It has never happened, and only two teams ever have made the college football playoff when not appearing in a conference championship. And one of those is Notre Dame, who does not play in a conference. Um, Alabama's the other one, and obviously they won the national championship the year that we played Auburn in the SEC championship. But Alabama's sitting there at two loss. That edge goes to Ohio State here. Mm -hmm. One loss to Ohio State that loses to number three Michigan. Um, I'll give you my opinion. I think I, I, I think the top four, I think we're going to see Georgia at one, Michigan at two, TCU at three, and USC at four. Um, I, don't think it changes. I don't think it changes. I think TCU and USC both win this weekend. Um, I do. I, I really do think that they're both going to win. Um, if I'm given – uh, my biggest possibility for a loss, um, man, it's it's tough because we talk about the rankings and how teams stack up. Um, 
but I land on the fact of uh, if, if it is hard to beat a good team twice, um, and my gut tells me that USC is a better football team than TCU. Um, I think they probably are, and, and I give a lot of weight to Caleb Williams. I think in college football specifically, a good quarterback can win you games that you shouldn't win. Um, and you talk about the best quarterback in college football, the surefire Heisman winner in Caleb Williams. This dude just, I mean, he, he hasn't played a bad game all year. He's thrown three interceptions this entire season. We just haven't seen him be a letdown. I mean, he's been playing college football for two years, and um, I haven't seen him disappoint one time. So uh, it's just hard for me to imagine him doing that. Against a Utah team, I know that does have a very good defense. So um, with that being said, man, I, I think it stays put here. I, I, think, um, I think TCU probably has a better chance at losing than USC. Um, and I, I, like I mentioned, I know the rankings are there for the USC-Utah matchup, but I just feel in my gut that USC pulls this one out. And I think TCU wins too. I really do. I think they're going to get up for this game, um, especially with the big question mark around them being, obviously, in my opinion and Jake's opinion, even if they lose, they're in. But they don't know that, and no one knows that. They could very easily bump them out and put Ohio State in there. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I think both TCU and USC know that they need to win this game. And I just expect them both to do it. So I, I'm going to keep it right here with one, two, three, and four. Um, you could make the argument that depending on how these games go, that there could be a jump at three and four. Let's say TCU beats Kansas State by two or three points and USC beats Utah by a couple scores. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it would be the most surprising thing in the world to see one loss USC jump TCU to three. I mean, Georgia fans should probably hope that. I, I would think. I would. I would rather face a TCU team than a USC team right now. Yeah, that's that's just the quarterback thing, man. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Georgia's defense. Uh, you give me anybody against Georgia, and 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 I'm fine. I, I I don't feel threatened by anybody in college football. Honestly, I feel like we are significantly the best team in college football. But if you're just giving me an open book and saying pick a team in the top four that you would rather play in the college football playoff. 10 times out of 10, I'm taking TCU. Yeah, I would, honestly, I would I would take TCU and USC over Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me, me too. So, Ohio State jumping in at that four spot is the last thing I want to see happen. Um, But I do think it's a possibility, and that kind of leads me into one little question I have for you, Kenny. If USC does win this weekend and TCU does happen to lose, um. That is where we get to an aspect of whatever the actual ranking show comes on. You're going to be kind of bite your nails a little bit at that four spot because what what happens? Do you think that losing to Kansas State in a conference championship, a number 10 ranked Kansas State, too, like don't get me wrong, this is not some unranked team they're playing. This is a team that is a highly ranked team. Do you think that's enough to drop them to five and push Ohio State into the playoff? Or do you think they'll just drop them one spot? With, you know, because Ohio State can't make up ground right now. They are stuck where they are. Whatever they've put on the field is what they have. Like, the, the tape is there. Um, do you think that it would be enough to drop them to five and put Ohio State in? Do you think they could still slip into that four spot? I think it's dependent on seven points. Um, I, I think if I think if TCU loses by more than a touchdown, it, it's over. I think they're done. I think Ohio State gets in there. If TCU wins, obviously they're in. If they lose to Kansas State by less than seven points, by less than a touchdown, I think it's going to be very, very hard to imagine TCU falling out of the top four. 
I agree, and this is also an interesting thing to me because you don't know how they're going to match up against any of these teams that we're going to face off against. You know Ohio State will do against Michigan. Like we've we, we've already kind of seen that. It's already been you know shown on on shown on screen what will happen in in a game like that. Um, and that's not something you see very often as a team that's got blown out by a team in during the regular season. Both of them still make the college football playoff. I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, the only thing I can really think of is whenever Bama Georgia made it and. 2017, but Bama did. We didn't play them that year because they didn't make the they didn't make the championship game. So I I can't really think of an aspect of a team playing twice other than last year whenever we played them in a conference championship and then beat them in the national championship. That's the only aspect I can think of. But it, t- yeah, things were a little bit different then though because we were ranked first in the we were ranked number one in the nation, so they kind of had no option but leave us in there. No, you're right. I I can't remember a, a time where that's happened either. Um, but I do think it's dependent on the loss. I, I don't think TCU is just not highly regarded enough to hold on to a spot in a blowout loss. And mm-hmm. losing by losing by seven points is not a blowout. But um, in a situation where you have a one loss Ohio State looking in from five, and we know we we say it every year. There's there's is there SEC bias is always the question. Um, I'm going to tell you no. I, I don't think there's SEC bias. I, no. I don't think bias is the right term here because the SEC is by far and away the best conference in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can make an argument that – and I wouldn't even call you crazy, man. You can make an argument that Alabama is a top-four team in college football. I, I, I don't think it's a crazy argument to make. Um, and if I'm giving you my true, my true honest opinion – I'd feel pretty good about Alabama's chances of beating Michigan, TCU, USC, and Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I really do. And and you, you can call it SEC bias if you want to, but I'm just calling it good football. Um, I think that Alabama team is, is very good, and I think they've just kind of been a, a, a byproduct of, of bad decision-making and not necessarily bad coaching, but just bad production um, from the team. We've seen uncharacteristic things from them all season, and penalties and – just being undisciplined and stuff that we're not used to seeing from Alabama. I mean, if they don't give up 150 penalty yards to Tennessee, we're not even having this conversation right now. No, I agree. And I'm actually right there with you. Um, my top three teams in the country would be, and you could give me any team in the country right now, um, would be Georgia, a healthy Tennessee, and then Alabama. Like they're, they're, that, I, I think that is like that could be a legitimate top like three in the country. Like I think whenever you put play team versus team, any anybody on the field, that would be the three I would take. Yeah, and if you take Tennessee out of the equation with the injury thing, I would tell you that right now, just as far as total who I think the best teams are, I think the best three teams in the country are Georgia, Michigan, and Alabama. And that's 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 not even considering Tennessee because of the injury things. Mm-hmm. If Henry if Hendon Hooker doesn't go down with injury, um, then, then I'm right there with you. But uh, just looking at it for, for what it's worth right now, I still think Alabama's uh, up there. And obviously, I think they have a 0% chance of making it. I don't think it's possible. Um, I think Ohio State gets in there before anybody. And I think uh, TCU sticks around, and mm-hmm. you know, barring a, a blowout loss. But I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. And, and it really is dependent because uh, – we talk about it every year. It seems like there's always some kind of an idea of what the playoffs going to look like, and then at the very last minute, everything changes. 
But I just, I, it might be recency bias. Call it what you want to, but I feel like we have a really, really good idea of what the Final Four is going to look like in college football, and um, we're we're going to know for sure after this weekend because uh, if if USC wins Friday before any of these other games take place, they're in 100%, and then it's all up to TCU. You know, TCU, if you're a TCU fan, you want to win the game, obviously, but if you're going to lose it, don't lose by more than a touchdown, and, and I think you got a pretty good shot. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me because Georgia's floor is two. Yeah. That is the floor for Georgia. We lose against LSU, we will be the second-ranked team in the country. No doubt about it. Um, And you look at some other teams like like – Michigan, like Michigan, could possibly lose this game and not move a muscle. Like they could possibly lose to Purdue and not move out of the second rank spot. And honestly, I would agree with it. Like if, if they played a stinker against P- Purdue, they had one slip up and happened to lose a game, and they stayed at two. Like I would have no problem with it. Keep them there. Like they showed it in the regular season. Every team has a slip up at some point. Like this is a definitely a very top heavy college ball playoff. And I I agree with you. I think it's down to Ohio State and USC. I think those are the the, the last spot that's open. And it's in you, like you know, it's the ball's in USC's court. Like they can do what they want to do, and you know their faith is with all with them. They don't have to rely on nobody else. If they win, they they make it. If they lose, they ain't gonna make it. That's that's how it's gonna go. I agree a million percent. Like I said, if TCU loses, um, they'll have to hope that USC lost the night before, um. And even if USC does happen to win, like we mentioned earlier, there's still a chance TCU can make it and still be at the four spot. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it It's dependent on USC and it's dependent on TCU. Uh, USC has to win. Um, you mentioned if they lose, they're out. TCU, I mean, you, you have to win, really. But um, if you lose, don't get blown out. Yeah, don't get blown out. Keep it close. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about this all day, Kenny, but we are at an hour oh five. Okay, it's kind of short, actually. Um, all I, right. I, I'm done on college football playoff stuff. Is there anything else you want to touch on? That's it for me, man. Holding off on picks to the next episode. I know that's uh, that's the moneymaker. That's what everybody wants to talk about. It is going. It's tough, man. It's so tough not to give at least some type of like input on the spreads I'm looking at. No. We'll say go ahead a little, 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 little way too early preview. Um. I'm not in love with any of them. <laughs> I'm not in love with any spread in this. Oh, it's gonna be a fun one tomorrow. This weekend it might be it might be very very fun for us. This weekend yeah. could be interesting for our betting world because I I'm gonna try to keep it mainstream. Don't get me wrong. Like you're not gonna see me give a pick out tomorrow. I might the over unders I might get a little bit frisky with and might throw a little you know a little mat championship over under in there. But the spreads I'm gonna try to keep it fun. Like I'm not gonna go with. Toledo minus two and a half against Ohio. Like that's that's kind of lame. So yeah, I mean, no, you're right. None of these lines look amazing. Oh. Um, it it's tough, man. Uh, whew, it it it's very very tough. Um, the most appealing line I see, if you're looking at an early line, I think if it stays above the fifty mark, um, I'll be looking at a Georgia LSU under. I agree. 50 and a half right now. I expect it to move. Um, I do. I think it'll probably get down to 48 and a half, something like that, uh, where it becomes a little bit less appealing. But early look ahead, if you can get it at 50 and a half, I do like the under in this game. Um, I, I really, really do. So uh, that's that's my little preview. That's all I'll give. That's all I'll all, give. All we can give. All we can give. Um, 
I, I like it a lot, though. We'll, we'll have some fun tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you're listening, um, we don't talk about it hardly at all because Jake and I are super ignorant when it comes to this sport. But uh, shout out to the U.S. men's national team. Going out there, clutching up against Iran to move on to the elimination round. we got a matchup against uh, the Netherlands coming up. I don't know. Is lacrosse going on or something? What are we talking about? Hey, this is lacrosse? I love you, USA, but I'm not watching soccer. I'm sorry to tell you. No, this is a Saturday. Oh, hey, look, look. It might be something worth tuning in. Saturday it's, it's, it's morning. Before, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a little pregame stuff, a little pregame action. I'll, I'll be working, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to watch it, but hey. Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Tune in. Support your country. I might tune in a little bit. Might put a little AirPod in while, while I'm rambling around my workspace a little bit and get a little, you know, audio rolling through it. Or I could just turn on College Game Day. Um. I think actually, I, I think I might know what I'm gonna do. Um, I sorry, men's team. Yeah, no clue about anything about soccer. Can't tell you one player on the team. But hey, USA money line plus two oh five. Lock it in. Where's uh, where's the LA Galaxy guy? Where's David Beckham? Man, he played with Team USA. David Beckham. Is he American? I I think he's too busy taking underwear pictures. Oh, you're probably right. I'm gonna look it up. Is he American or Australian? Dave, oh, he's dog. English. He, he's from uh, he's from United Kingdom. Okay, well, I yeah. thought he's American. What are you doing over here in the MLS, bro? Go on somewhere. Shout out David Beckham. Shout out David Beckham. Best thing on the podcast right here. Um, go yeah. Team USA. Go Dogs. Go Hawks. Go Braves. Go Canes. Go Falcons. Ah, damn. Never mind. Falcons suck. Um, yeah, I'm back on the misery train. Um, we did not mention the Falcons, and I don't plan on mentioning them. So. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to take one thing from this episode, take this. Big soccer show. Big soccer show, big Falcon show. Um, Yeah. Um, What a roller coaster it's been. We got the dogs. We got the dogs, baby. It's kind of, look, we, we can't down ourselves. Like We can't down ourselves. I just got a little sad. Just put my head down a little bit like, man, the Falcons, you suck. But no, nah, we back. Hey, we got the dogs, man. We're going to win championship in something, boys. We got this. <laughs> We got the dogs. All right, Kitty. I think that wraps it up for me. I'm going to go ahead and say thank you. I'll let you give your closing remarks. Um, Thank you guys so much for everything, uh, all the support and stuff in the podcast. Austin, I see you in the chat, man. Thank you so much for popping in the live and checking us out. Um, If you want to be like Austin and check us out in the live, um, check us out on YouTube, um, Peach State Tailgate. Um, And, you know, if you're watching live right now, Austin or anybody else out there, um, check us out on Spotify Apple Podcast. If you missed a couple things, you go back and listen to it. If you want to remember some of the stuff we said, Go back and check us out, man. We we do this, you know, one once to twice a week and just ramble on about sports and we'll be back at it tomorrow with some with some official picks for this coming up weekend. Uh appreciate it guys and I'll pass the torch to Kenny now and let him finish it finish it off. Oh, you covered it very well. Thank you all so much for listening and go dogs. Oh, oh.